Well, Jerry, in this episode of uh, the Glory of God podcast, we're, we're hitting a really complex issue that the early church did not have figured out for, for a few hundred years. So we don't have to feel horrible if we don't have it completely figured out in this short short uh, podcast. But why don't you kick us off in explaining the concept of what the Trinity is and why it's so unique to Christianity. Well, and I don't think the church has figured it out yet either. <laughs> Uh, it is probably the greatest, most vital, and most important doctrine, the doctrine of God. Um, and that's the doctrine of the Trinity. I mean, it, uh, it is mind-blowing uh, uh, when you think about it. Um, it is found, the word Trinity mm-hmm. is not found anywhere in Scripture, but wherever you turn, you, you, you're faced with it. Mm-hmm. You know? I think, if my historical memories are correct, Trinity, the word Trinity was coined in the early 3rd or late 2nd century, early 3rd century by Tertullian, mm-hmm. who was a Christian writer and historian, actually. Um, and he's the one that came up with the word Trinity to describe what is clearly seen hmm. uh, in the Scripture. So the word is while not in Scripture, is clearly illustrated uh, by the Scripture. It really is the most mysterious of all doctrines and the most difficult. Uh, And the Incarnation, for example, is pretty mysterious. We're using some big words. Let's maybe start with, what do you mean by Trinity? And then what do you mean by the, um, you know, Jesus becoming man, the Incarnation? Well, the the Trinity... um, would refer to the person of God, who who he is. And he is, um, we talk about him a lot of times in the singular, but actually he, the definition of the Trinity is that God is one essence manifested in three persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem, and let me say this too, and that is those three persons are co-eternal and co-equal. They are each the same in the sense that they are each God. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have difficulty comprehending it because our language can't grasp. That's that's something that God has revealed. Mm -hmm. Except that God had revealed it, we would not have it. We would not know it. And really, it is not something a human being would have come up with. Well, it's kind of like my brain doesn't really comprehend big numbers. Once I get over like a million or, you know, just you get to certain numbers and it just has no meaning in my brain because I've never counted to a million. You know, I've never counted to a billion. And and I think that's one of the ways we think of an infinite God is when he, he's just going to say some things to us through his scriptures, um, and, and we just have to take what he says at his word, and then we're, we're going to try and figure out how to talk about what he says. But it's it's not like we can experience um, what it feels like you know, to spend eternity in heaven now. We just know it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be in a place called heaven, and we're going to get to do some things like we probably won't be limited by things like gravity or aging and all the stuff we're limited by here. But... but we can't really describe it 
it's 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 we're limited by our language, and I feel that as a transcendent God is trying to reveal Himself using our finite words when it comes to the concept of the Trinity. Exactly. Uh, our when we think of uh, persons, we think of individual entities, mm-hmm. and the Trinity is really a lot more than that. I mean, uh, we try to grasp that, but we can't really grasp it. The other thing, and we've already said that God is love. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that God is love is evidence of the plurality that is in the Trinity. Because God is love before in eternity past. Mm-hmm. So he was love before creation. However, love always has an object. Mm-hmm. So what was the object before creation? It was the persons of the Trinity. There had to be one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in other words, God is a single person. Um, there is no object for his love. We know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, First John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16, God mm-hmm. is love. Okay, that love necessarily has an object to it. Mm-hmm. It is the Trinity. They are loving one another. They are each exalting the other. They they are each uh, glorifying the other. Mm-hmm. They are each putting the other first above themselves. And the essence of love is others oriented. It's, mm-hmm. It is always putting the other above without expecting anything in return. That that's the agape love that, yeah. that they define. Unconditional the love, and so it, it necessarily proves the Trinity uh, because God was love from before the foundation of the world. He did not, and I think we've talked about this, he did not create man because he needed somebody to love. Mm-hmm. Then he wouldn't be infinite because right. then he would be dependent on something. Or before man was created, he would be not as amazing as he is now because right. he would have added an attribute. And God, in and of himself before creation, was fully God with all the attributes of God. And I think what I think what we've said before is is that in the Trinity, as they are exalting one another and glorifying one another, that produces another one of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's joy. Mm. And so there is this tremendous joy that results from the exaltation mm-hmm. of the others, each other, and glorification. And man was created in order that the joy might be extended. Mm-hmm. Not, not, to share it. Yeah. yeah. Not, you know, so that we're, as C.S. Lewis says, we're invited to participate in the dance. Mm-hmm. And this joy increases, it increases for, for everyone. Yeah. So the more people that experience joy, the more everybody's joy is increasing. And you look at Jesus' statement, and let me just get it real quick in John 15. Uh, He talks about, he says in John 15, uh, just as, verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide Mm -hmm. in my love. So you can see what he's doing here is he is, calling us into what we were originally created for. Uh, And he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Hmm. So the joy and love are wrapped up together. 
Um, again, that's why you get, I think, in Galatians 5.23, the first two fruit of the Spirit is love, love joy. And joy. Uh-huh, because love produces joy. Hmm. You know, and I think, you know, while the, the doctrine of Trinity is very difficult, it is so important to spend time to figure out how to talk about God because so many of the uh, false faiths in the world, um, this is the doctrine that trips them up. You know, when we're talking about Mormonism or we're talking about Islam or we're talking about all the different faiths of the world, it's the doctrine of the Trinity that will, especially related to Jesus. What do we do with Jesus? Is he a man who had a beginning is he somewhat less than God? Is he fully God, but not really fully man? And and I think as we wrestle with who was Jesus and the persons of the Trinity, I think it, this is where so many, uh, if we can just get this right, or is right, if we can at least speak about it well, we'll keep from being tripped up by so many of the, the false doctrines in the world. Yeah, so a lot of the cults get into trouble because they start trying to explain the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start trying to put human concepts to uh, things that are just not capable of, of happening. Um, but um, Jesus, first of all, the Trinity is that we're not talking about three gods um, because they would then be of different essence hmm. uh, to have three gods. Uh, that's what uh, Islam accuses Christians of, is worshiping mm-hmm. three gods. Uh, the enemy has come in and, interestingly enough, uh, has leveled major attacks on the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, modalism is one of the attacks on the Trinity. That is the idea that God is one person, mm-hmm. but he manifests himself in different ways. Uh, now, the Originally, that was called Sibelianism, and it was soundly refuted by the church in the second century. Today, modalism, though, is functional uh, in the idea that God is one person, but manifests in three manifestations. Uh, For example, uh, in the creation, and uh, he manifests as the Father. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the atonement, he manifests as the Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the church, he manifests as the Holy Spirit, but it's still all the same person. It'd be kind of like you're an attorney, and you're a father, and you're a husband. Correct. All the same person, but you have these different places where you do different things. Right, so I manifest different. Mm-hmm. The problem is the scripture won't let you do that. Um, Daniel 7.13, for example, it says, Daniel is a vision of heaven, and he said, that, and then I saw one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds Mm. uh, and he came up to the ancient of days and was given a a, a throne and dominion and power Mm. well Jesus when he stood before the Sanhedrin on trial and the the high priest said uh, Caiaphas said I adjure you by the living God are you the son of God and Jesus says yes and you will see the son of man coming in the clouds and he is alluding to Daniel 7.13 mm-hmm. and they know immediately who he's talking who he's about alluding to. and they call that blasphemy Yeah. Uh, and what you've got here is in Daniel 7.13 you have the son of man coming mm-hmm. up to the ancient of days so you got how do you have one person Doing to a face-to-face meeting Man, with us, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. And you uh, have many. I mean, you have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, he's, he's praying. praying too. Yeah. yeah. If if I'm praying, let this cup pass from me. 
Yeah, that makes no sense if you're praying to yourself. I, if I come up on you and you're talking to yourself, I will definitely wonder, you know, and, and I think, so I think modalism doesn't work. No, and, uh, you know, the, the idea that water is uh, in three, is a modalist. Yeah, thing. it's one of the examples of the ice, liquid, steam. Mm-hmm. True. That's a modalist description. That's, they use that to describe mm-hmm. God, you know. Same essence, but three manifestations, not not three different things, but three manifestations. Uh, but First John three and First John one four says our fellowship is with the Father mm. and with the Son. Uh, he's talking about two separate persons, and the with is implies duality of persons with the Father, mm-hmm. with the Son. Mm-hmm. You know, not with the manifestations. Yeah, the manif- my different yeah. personalities. So let's go to the other side. So if we can't say that God is one who manifests three different ways, like three different roles, what would be wrong with saying God is three individual unique persons? Uh, we say three individual unique gods, maybe. Let's, let's describe that. The way that Islam accuses us. What's wrong with that? Why doesn't that hold up to Scripture? Well... If you look at the ancient uh, myths, for example, of the gods, the gods are not co-equal and co-eternal with mm-hmm. each other. I mean, they are not one essence. There was Zeus sitting on top of Mount Olympus, and then exactly. he was all the hierarchy. Yeah, and, you know, this is the god of war over here on Mars, and mm-hmm. this, is, this is the god of the gods, Jupiter, you know. and uh, They are not of the same essence. Uh, and triathlon. Tritheism would would say that three gods, if they're three separate gods, mm-hmm. then they are not necessarily the same essence. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's it's hard to grasp that. Well, I think some of the places that I go is I think you know God is one. A lot of the Old Testament Shema and the scriptures, you know, there is one God. You know, I think I think what we have to say is we have clearly a plurality in the Godhood, Godhead. But there's all these scriptures that also say there is one God mm. and one God alone. And so we can't say that there are multiple gods um, because so much of the Bible says that there's one God who, expre- who expresses himself in the three persons of the Godhead. Um, and it is interesting. I think it's very unique. I, I don't think we see in other other religions this whole idea of co-equal co-eternal um and and so i I think as we as we think about how to describe um what's what's going on here i think the the best is to look at jesus and the words that he uses but not to use them interchangeably just because there's three persons of the trinity they're each unique and they each have a, a role inside the godhead that is the one god well and when you say, you know, the Shema, God, God is one. Yeah. Um, and that's what, the oneness Pentecostal is a modalist. Mm-hmm. And the reason he is, is he can't get beyond the statement in the Shema that God is one. Mm-hmm. Jesus says in John 10, I and the Father are one. Are one, yep. In John 14, he says to Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, it's very clear that the oneness we're talking about is the essence of who they are, mm. co-equal and co-eternal. But in terms of independent, separate, they are. Mm. You know, it's very clear that they are. 
That's why Tertullian coined the term Trinity, because it's very clear. For example, in creation, uh, you have the Father involved in creation. For example, in um, 1 Corinthians 8, I think, uh, we see the Father involved in creation. Um, We also see uh, Jesus involved in creation, Colossians Mm -hmm. 1. 16 and 17, we know that all things were made through him and for him. And then in Genesis the Spirit. Uh, 1, 2, mm-hmm. we, know, we see the Holy Spirit. When you see an example in Luke 3, I think it's about verse 21, mm-hmm. of the baptism, you have the Trinity participating. You had Jesus being baptized, but you hear the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit descending on him. As a dove, so you have three separate individuals mm-hmm. involved in the Trinity, in the uh, in the in the baptism of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not three manifestations. And I think there there is a there's a tension here because we want to now get real explicit and, and clean cut and engineers and and this is where it's hard because you have these pastors like Jesus saying, "I'm never going to leave you or forsake you," and then he ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. And Jesus considers the Holy Spirit part of him in some sense because he's never leaving for saving us and he's sending the Holy Spirit. And God the Father is still a part of this too. Um, and so one of the, I think, the, the most important things as we try and figure out how to do this is just to talk like the Bible talks. So when we pray, pray to our Father who's in heaven, you know, and and not say things like, um, uh, Jesus lives inside my heart. Because Jesus is actually sitting on a throne in heaven right now, not living inside my heart. Uh, the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, is living inside of me because I'm a temple. And, and, and so just trying to use the words we find in Scripture as we talk will help us to, to keep from thinking in ways that are unhelpful with interchanging the members of the Godhood and, and things like that. Let me give you the probably the most famous yeah. uh, definition of the Trinity, and it's from the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, and basically, the Westminster Confession says this, there are three persons within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Uh, and you really are... What you have to really do, and what what we're meant to do, really, in the revelation of this, is to simply look at it with wonder and awe and worship and just be amazed at it. Because mm-hmm. we aren't going to get it. We start trying to really define it, we're mm-hmm. going to get in trouble because we can't do it. All the illustrations break down somewhere. Yeah. You know, one of the famous ones is the uh, three-leaf clover, where you have three leaves, and together they make up the clover but even there, a leaf by itself is not really a whole. And each right. of these persons are a whole person, but they come together in the, into one God. And that's that's the amazing complexity. So uh, if somebody says, you, you serve three gods, the answer is no, we serve one God. We serve one God. If the answer is, if someone says, you know, it's one God, but he has three different hats, no. These are three distinct persons who who all are coexistent. If someone comes along and says, you know, Jesus was born. Uh, yes, he was born, but he existed at creation prior to ever 
coming as a man. Mm-hmm. And and those are the some of the main ways that, that we see different, you know, you mentioned cults earlier, but different false religions uh, making claims about the Trinity. Um, and I just think it's, it's an amazing thing that we have, have been invited into the community of the Trinity and are get to experience that for eternity, the joy and, and the love that has existed before earth was ever created. And we're going to get to experience that with them. Oh yeah! In fact, to an extent, some extent, we experience it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, but it it it's a delight to meditate on. But uh, we aren't going to get it. Mm. <laughs> we aren't going to figure it out. Mm. And I don't want to be able to figure it out. I mean, mm. if I could figure it out, um, I guess I would be the fourth member. Of the <laughs> well, we have no no danger of that. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> We're certainly not. 